This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. And this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of the station. Joining me from the Salvation Army of Binghamton, Captain Joseph Hansen. Welcome to the program, Captain. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. I don't think I've had you on the program before, have I? You have not. How long have you been steering things over there in in, uh, in Binghamton for the Salvation Army? Uh, we've been here for two years now. Two years? Well, with everything that's been going on, it's kind of not a surprise that we haven't uh, have our paths crossed before this. Well, we got a news release from you folks recently, and it is that time of year to start thinking about the holidays. But I remember last year that there were some challenges. Well, there have been some challenges over the past few years with uh, the Red Kettle campaign. Why don't you give me a little background on what's been going on with this is pretty much the biggest fundraiser for the organization for the year, right? Sure is. It really is. The uh, funds that we raise during the Christmas season uh, help us throughout the year for our social services programs. Well, let's talk about some of those programs. I mean, people, I think, are quite familiar, although there's not as many as there had been, about the Salvation Army thrift shops that have been around. But what is it that the Salvation Army does in the community? There's a, a lot of programs that go on with you guys. There really is a lot of programs going on here. Um, at the downtown office, we uh, primarily focus on uh, uh, food. Uh, so we have our soup kitchen and our food pantry running, uh, but we also uh, concentrate on generational poverty. We have a program called Pathway of Hope uh, in which we take uh, families that are stuck in generational poverty and help them move themselves to independent living. What do you mean by generational poverty? Uh, generational poverty is basically families that are just stuck in a cycle of... Mm. Uh, depending on the government, the city, uh, social organizations for their uh, livelihood rather than uh, having the skills and abilities to uh, be independent. Oh, I get it. So it's kind of, if that's all you've ever known, that's all you ever know to do. Correct. Right. Yeah. They, the people that are in generous poverty, they learn how to work those the system from their parents who have worked from their parents who have lived from their parents and it's it's not a lifestyle that anyone wants to be really in but it's what you know so that's what you do mm-hmm. and so we help them learn skills and and gain other abilities in order to move into a more independent and um profit uh, not profitable but a, a more independent lifestyle so that they're they're free to to improve their well-being. One of the other programs that I see that is listed for the agency is youth development. That seems like that would also dovetail into that, breaking that cycle as you get younger and younger people and show them different alternatives and different pathways that that is not what they see as their only choice going forward. True. And our primary youth development is uh, summer camp programs we oh. offer uh we offer an opportunity for children to go uh to um what we call long point camp uh up in pinyan 
and uh, they they have a week out in the woods uh, learning about um, living living out there and uh, playing with goats and <laughs> swimming and all kinds of fun activities they don't generally get to do uh, here in the city. <laughs> no, I, I don't think they would. <laughs> uh, disaster relief, that's another one of the programs. Uh, I, the Salvation Army really is out there as a, a great resource because you do have the mechanisms that have been in place that you kind of got the hang of it by now. Uh, as we've been seeing more and more instances of natural disasters and, you know, even things like fires and things like that, how has the Salvation Army found their resources stretched and challenged during the, the most recent days? Oh, sure. Uh, well, you, with all the natural disasters that are going on, uh, especially during hurricane seasons and earthquake seasons, uh, tornado seasons and things like that, you know, um, communities find themselves more and more and more in need and Salvation Army gets kind of stretched thin in, in terms of uh, we have to respond to these these places and and we have to have our resources come in with us and and so as more disasters happen then those resources get stretched a little thin has the Salvation Army found itself responding specifically to the latest disaster, if you will, the, the whole pandemic emergency? And if so, what kind of services and uh, and resources has the Salvation Army had to use utilize during this? Okay, yeah. Um, uh, here locally, our disaster response to the pandemic has been um, in terms of making sure our clients are safe. Uh, from the pandemic, making sure they have all the information they need for assistance, and you know, especially those that have lost their jobs because of uh, COVID or uh, can't go back to work because of COVID, uh, we make sure that they have the resources they need to continue to live um, a high standard. Um, we have uh, uh, reduced the amount of paperwork we need in order to help people. Um, because people come to us and they're just desperate. And the last thing they want to hear is the paperwork that they have to go through mm-hmm. in order to get that that done. So we've reduced that. That is what we need in order for people to get assistance through our food pantry and soup kitchen. Um, but our, that's, that's the disaster response is locally based. You know, what do we need here in the community? And here in, in Binghamton, Broome County, we found that people really need our food. So we have been bringing in resources from, we've been partnering with Chow and all kinds of other uh, organizations and restaurants that are just helping us with food. How big of a challenge was that to keep those food pantries and those programs operating over the past, almost going on two years now, with the fact that, you know, people couldn't physically go to a lot of times to go someplace, um, getting volunteers together. There were restrictions on that. How how did you guys continue to operate? Well, first of all, I have a fantastic staff here at the Salvation Army. They have uh, sacrificed so much time and effort. Uh, they've switched jobs in order to keep everything going. Uh, so my staff has been fantastic. I've, had, I've only got a couple of volunteers that I... I've actually been allowed to have in because of the pandemic. Uh, we're not allowing a lot of people into our building. And so our biggest 
um, I guess, challenge has been keeping our clients safe and ourselves safe. So keeping that that kind of social distancing while still embracing them, uh, our clients that finding out what they really need um, and helping them achieve those needs um, while still keeping a safe distance and you know CDC guidelines and and everything that allows us to operate safely. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge. How is this year's efforts to recruit volunteer bell ringers for the Red Kettle campaign different than it was a year ago now? Um, actually, we're facing the same challenge. People uh-huh. are still nervous about the, the virus. They're, they're not really willing to come out to uh, public places and and stand around and get near people. So we're having trouble getting people out to the stands. Um, so we're encouraging uh, people to understand that we are using CDC guidelines. You know, we will be masked, we will be sanitized, we will have social distancing. Um, people who donate to the kettle, uh, if you don't want to give physically in the kettle, there are uh, electronic ways of giving. So we have moved into that kind of electronic age as well at the kettle stand. How big of a hit did the Binghamton Salvation Army take last year when it came to to fundraising? Like I said on the start of the program, I know in past years we've heard of challenges meeting uh, the goal or um, the the basic idea of what was needed to to keep the organization and programs going. And sometimes the Red Kettle campaign has been extended either you know earlier or later to try to make that up. What were we looking at last year, and what are we looking at to to make up for that this year? Okay. Uh, last year, actually, this, this community has been very generous to us. Um, last year, our goal was $100,000, and we surpassed that by $9,000. So, wow. Um, however, that being said, um, set, we, we did take a 30% drop in our kettles. So we were only able to, to raise 70% of that in our kettles, but we had some fantastic businesses that came alongside of us and sponsored us. They gave us a sponsorship check. This is, you know, during the Christmas season, they wanted to make sure that our operations kept going, so they gave us sponsorship checks. So most of our, a lot of our funding from last year actually came through our, our business sponsorships. That's amazing in itself, considering the hit that the business community took over the past year and the challenges with just keeping their heads above water, that they stepped up like that. Absolutely. I mean, these people are fantastic people. They they want to see our operations continue, and they want to make sure that the community here is helped. Well, now that you're looking for volunteers, are there... Uh, what are the the requirements for being a bell ringer? What is the time can, uh, commitment to it? And are there any protocols and things like that that people should be aware of if they're considering volunteering and helping out with a campaign this year? All we ask from our, from our volunteers is a couple of hours to stand at one of our sites. Uh, we do ask that they follow the CDC guidelines, uh, bring a mask, uh, bring gloves. Uh, actually, we can provide gloves, so that's not even a big deal. So just make sure you show up with a mask. That's it. That's all we ask from our volunteers. How many red kettle sites are there going to be around the area through the holiday season? Um, I have 14 sites. However, with the lack of volunteers, I'm only able to cover a few. Wow. So you'll be you'll be seeing them at uh, uh, Walmart, uh, Sam's Club, Weiss Markets, and Price Chopper. 
are there going to be limited hours or i mean it seems like i didn't see as many kettles last year of course as you said a lot of people weren't venturing out but it, it just didn't seem that there were quite so many people that i was actually encountering at supermarkets and things for example that i normally would Right, right. That, that, like I said, that was a big challenge last year, just getting volunteers out to the sites. And um, you probably did see a reduced number of people because I had to strategically place my kettle volunteers in the uh, highest giving areas, the the places where we, we, we were noticing we were getting the highest amount of donations, and that's where we concentrated our efforts. Some specific holiday-related programs, are there any sort of uh, like baskets or anything like that that are, are planned this year, or are we looking at supporting the, the general services for year-round for the, through the Red Kettle Campaign? Okay, yeah, the Red Kettle Campaign uh, does, does give for our services throughout the year. However, during the Christmas season, we do have our Angel Tree Program, uh, which you will see around the community at various locations. Um, you'll see an angel tree with some tags. Each of those tags is a child in this community that is in need. And uh, what we ask of the community is you take a tag and purchase uh, a toy or some clothing for that child and uh, and bring it back to us so that we can present that to the parents. And just a little sidebar before we run out of time, um, like I had mentioned to you before we went into our recording session this morning that the Salvation Army has been around for obviously decades. Uh, what do I see in my little thing here since 1865? Yes. But it, it's funny, even though my late brother was involved in the Salvation Army, if you sat me down and told me what are the core values, what is what gets someone involved as yourself – into the Salvation Army organization, I would have no idea how to answer somebody. So what is the motivation? Who gets involved in the Salvation Army organization, aside from the volunteers, people as yourself, or as my late brother was involved? How, how do you get involved, and why do people get involved? Okay, well, first and foremost, the, the Salvation Army is a church organization. Um, so a lot of the people that come here are uh, uh, believers um, in in the Lord. And um, they get involved in volunteering because um, the love of God that ha- that He has for us compels us to share that love with other people. And so we f- we seek out people who are in need, and we want to help them as best we can. You're a non-denominational group. Can anybody that any faith be involved in the Salvation Army? Absolutely, we are we are a Christian organization, but. Uh, we welcome anybody who comes through our doors. Well, thank you very much. Where do people, before we get sidetracked here, I haven't had how people can sign up if they want to become a bell ringer or help out in any other way with the Salvation Army. How do they get a hold of you? Sure. If you want to uh, bell ring this year, we have a, a website, uh, savolunteer.org. Uh, you can go on that website, find a location and a time that suits you the, the best. Uh, or you can call my office here, uh, 607-722-2987, and I'd be happy to plug you in somewhere. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you, Kathy. Have a great day. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Views expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of the station, its staff, management, or news department. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up.
season, it's so 